Hello, and welcome back to Nerdy Girl Reviews, a podcast where I talk about whatever the fuck I want, completely unprompted. My name is Katie, and I don't know why I read that like that. Um, (laughs) My name is Katie, and I plan to share my unsolicited, unasked for opinions on all things media, movies, TV, streaming, and sometimes music, books, and video games. Today, we will be talking about season one of Arcane, episode six, When These Walls Come Tumbling Down. Now, I'm not gonna lie, this is my second attempt at recording (laughs) because I don't know what happened yesterday, but I was just not feeling my best. I tried to record and it just wasn't happening. I'm gonna blame the weather. The weather has been so shitty lately and cold and rainy and it's just miserable, so I'm just not feeling great, but I'm going to power through to talk about this incredible episode because I had so many thoughts while watching it. I think this second go-around watching has really made me appreciate this show for a number of reasons. I mean, I certainly enjoyed it a lot the first time I watched it, but I don't think that it really hit me as hard as it's hitting me now just how perfect this show is. And I hate to throw that word around because it's a very loaded word, right? Like perfect means it is completely and utterly flawless. And while I can say that it's maybe not my favorite show of all time and it's maybe not my favorite animated show of all time. There were several points throughout watching this episode where I sat to myself and just thought, this is one of the greatest animated series of all time. Like, I cannot believe I'm watching this. I cannot believe how gorgeous it is. I cannot believe how well-conceived it is, how well-written it is, and just how fucking entertaining and good it is. The acting, amazing. The fucking art. Like, I look at some of these art pieces of this show and I'm like, there's no way a human being is capable of making something that beautiful. Like, there has to be some, there's something wrong here. There's, it's just so, so stunning. And I know that it took them a really long time to make season one. So I can only imagine how long it's going to take to make season two. However, I am just grateful that we're going to get it period. And I would rather them take their time with it because I know that rushing things doesn't doesn't help anybody. And I want season two to be just as perfect as this. I don't know if I really have much else to chat about today. I have not necessarily given up on Critical Role Campaign 3, but I have not watched it in several weeks now. And I think I just need to start it over again. I started it right before I went on my trip to Chicago last month. I think I wasn't really paying attention to it, so I need to rewatch those first couple of episodes and then continue it because I really do want to be caught up with it. I also got distracted by Kith and Kin and the Dawn of Yang Chen. Full transparency, I have also not listened to Dawn of Yang Chen in a couple weeks. Um, I think I'm going to finish it and then restart it just so that I can kind of really absorb it because, I again, it's one of those things where it's like I was not really paying attention while I was listening to it. But either way, I'm going to get back to those things. I just have been busy doing other stuff. So I just wanted to throw that out there. So confession time, the thing that I've been doing (laughs) 
a lot of actually recently is rewatching Glee. And I don't know why I'm doing this to myself because I'm currently almost done with season four. And it is fucking painful <laughs> how ridiculous this show is, how much I'm not enjoying it anymore, and being reminded all over again why that show fell off so hard because it really did. And then Corey Monteith died. I'm just constantly thinking about, you know, like how awful the last few months of his life were. And I'm watching him on season four of Glee, where he actually had to be written out early um, because he went into treatment for his addiction. He looks so awful. Like he just looks very like thin and like sunken in and just like tired. It's very hard to watch. That really impacted me as a teenager. And just knowing how young he was, like every year that I get older, I think about just how young he was when he passed away. You know, I'm I'm almost 27. He was 31. So it's just, it's weird to think about. Yeah, it's been a journey. <laughs> uh, I think every time I rewatch Glee, I get something different out of it. But the biggest thing that I usually end up with is how the fuck was this on television for six years? Like, something about that does not make sense to me as a human being. Like, as a creative human being, it makes even less sense to me because the choices that they were making, but like, there was a certain point where it was like, okay, so nobody takes any of this seriously anymore. So like, let's just do the most batshit insane, fucking crazy, unrealistic, weird shit. And nobody could argue with it because it's like, well, this is just what this show is now. <laughs> I feel like there are a lot of teen uh, drama and comedy shows around the time kind of ended up falling into that trap where it's just like, let's just do whatever and see if it works. Like, okay, I guess. Sure. I bet. I I mean, that's better than playing it safe. Like, at least keep, keep me entertained with your, you know, really ridiculous storylines and offensive dialogue. But yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with that. Um, this week, as of recording this and the day that I upload it, I will be seeing Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm going Friday night. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, that is. I am really looking forward to it. I am scared. <laughs> I am very scared because I don't want to be disappointed. I don't want to be let down. I have had a lot of disappointment with Marvel movies in the last ugh, three, four years now. I'll be honest, I was not one of those people who hated Endgame when it came out, but the more time that passes and the more time I have to sit with it, more about it really bothers me than, than not. <laughs> but the other thing is, like, I think the reason why I thought it was good at the time was that it felt like logical choices were made in the writer's room but not logical overall, like removed from the MCU and what the MCU was by that point. I think that they were just logical choices for where the MCU was at the time and where the characters were at the time. And I think I could kind of see a lot of it coming. And 
that's how I feel about Endgame now. <laughs> I I have to be honest, of all of the MCU movies that I've rewatched, I've rewatched Infinity War and Endgame probably the fewest times. I don't think I've ever watched rewatched any of the Iron Man movies. See, like I'm I was never really an MCU fan, at least not the way that a lot of other people are. I was just like, okay, I guess I'll go see Marvel movies because everybody else is seeing them and I feel left out. Um, but Guardians of the Galaxy was the first Marvel movie where I saw it and I was like, this is a really fucking great movie. Like, this is a genuinely wonderful movie. It's a technically great movie. And I went out and saw it with my friends because we kind of, at that point, you know, we had all graduated from high school. We were all about to go to college. And throughout high school, we had developed this tradition of going to see Marvel movies together. So I I hit everybody up and I said, let's go see this fucking movie. And I went home and called my dad and I said, let's go see this movie again. Um, and we're going to see the third one on Friday night. So that's kind of fun that I've seen all these movies with my dad and I'm going to see the next one with him again. But yeah, I mean, essentially, I am looking forward to seeing how this whole thing is going to end. And I'm really curious about a couple of other things. I still have to rewatch Guardians Volume 2. I rewatched the first one the other day, and I'm not gonna lie, besties, I was sobbing. (laughs) I always cry at the beginning of that movie and at the very end, and at the part where Groot sacrifices himself for everyone else. And then Volume 2, I mean Yondu, Yondu's death scene really makes me cry every time. As much as I don't really love Chris Pratt, anymore. There was a time where I was a really big fan of his and I really liked him. I just don't like him as a person, um, but I really do enjoy his portrayal of Star-Lord. I think that it's a great, it's a good character. For for everything else about that franchise, I think there are better characters <laughs> in the Guardians, but I do uh, enjoy Peter Quill. And uh, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at on that. I'm really looking forward to it, and I might do a little podcast episode about Guardians 3. Um, I also might be planning something else with a guest. Yeah, I, I definitely um, want to talk more Marvel and DC. I know that some people have seen The Flash, and while I have my own opinions, again, on Ezra Miller and that whole situation... I do think that the Flash movie sounds like it's going to be good. So I'm having a bit of a moral dilemma. Um, I think I'm, if anything else, I'm just going to pirate it when it becomes available on streaming or something, or I'll just stream it. I don't know. Probably not going to be something that I rush out to see in theaters. I'll probably still be stuck on Spider-Verse. I'll probably be going back for the third week in a row. Yeah, that's kind of all I have to talk about pre-episode. I've I've rambled long enough, and I would like to talk about this episode now. So without further ado, let's dive into Arcane, Season 1, Episode 6, When These Walls Come Tumbling Down. Another uh, Imagine Dragons title episode. Love that for me. All right. So this episode starts out with yet another flashback. This time we are seeing baby Victor, and I gotta say... He looks pretty adorable. There are some children swimming in some disgusting polluted water. Victor, meanwhile, is working on this little boat 
that he created. It's a like mechanically powered boat and he is going to test it out in the stream that all the rest of the kids are playing in. He puts it in the water and it starts to go and he tries to keep up with it, but he's already got, you know, his bad foot, his bad leg kind of slowing him down. Um, And eventually he follows it into this kind of cavern where he happens upon the creepy doctor dude who was making Shimmer for good old Silco. I finally found out his name is Singed, which is kind of on the nose. It's kind of like Beaker from the Muppets, but... um, Singed has a very unique pet. It looks to me at first glance like a big axolotl or like a big salamander. And I feel like that's kind of what it's modeled after. There's also some like glowing purple flowers going on in here. And it kind of reminds me of the heart-shaped herb from Black Panther. So Singed is very impressed with Victor's boat. And he starts to, you know, kind of appeal to him as a man of science and introduces his little salamander pet friend. Not not small, actually. It's pretty fucking big. It's called a wave rider, apparently. And like I said, it's enormous. It's like bigger than, bigger than Victor, definitely bigger than most humans. And he comes over and he feeds one to this salamander called Rio. It's, she's so cute. Like, she's just got the cutest little, like, eyes, these big, you know, soulful eyes. Singed tells Victor that she has this rare mutation, but she's sick and she's dying and he needs to preserve this mutation. And he also needs to figure out how to keep her alive. So he accepts Victor's offer of helping him figure out a cure. And we come back to the present day where Victor is sitting at a window, looking out the window and kind of looking looking at that stream that he was playing with his boat in when he was a kid. Heimerdinger happens upon him and he starts to reflect on the day that he met Victor and tells him that he heard about, you know, the the news with Victor's health, but I don't really think that's what Victor wants to hear. He's kind of bummed about the fact that he's dying and the fact that he's kind of leaving nothing behind is his big thing is like he kind of wants a legacy. Heimerdinger, he is so old and he has such a long lifespan that he'll have all the time in the world to continue to accomplish things. And Heimerdinger is like, well, you're selling yourself short. Because, you know, you've accomplished so much in a short period of time and you are leaving something behind. But Victor, he's not too sure. Uh, He's, I think he's just kind of at a point in his prognosis where he's kind of just like, okay, I guess shit's going to end for me soon and I'm not going to be able to do as much as I would have liked to, but it is what it is. But we will catch up more with Victor later in this very episode. Victor, I don't want to say that he's kind of entering his villain era, but he's he is entering his desperation era. He is absolutely desperate to figure out a way to really make his mark. 
on the world. And he can't do that if he's dead. So foreshadowing, you're welcome. But anyway, we see Mel now, who is mixing up some paints and painting on a canvas, a very large canvas, which again is just one of these scenes where I look at it and I'm like, this is so fucking beautiful. I can't believe that this is real. It's a rendering of paints and it looks like it has fucking texture. And as she's doing this, Jace comes in and he tries to start his apology tour. He is not doing a great job at first, but when he tells her that Victor is very, very sick and dying, she's like, oh shit, okay, guess I'm being kind of an asshole about this, huh? Jace seems to think that whatever Victor is sick from is due to whatever chemicals and gases he was exposed to when he was living in the Undercity. I don't really know if there's any merit to that, but, you know, he's he's very upset. Mel, I guess, points out that she wasn't really aware that Victor and Jace were so close, but Jace is like, yeah, I mean, he's like my brother. Like, we do everything together, and all I ever really wanted was to do this kind of thing, was to help people. And I didn't want to deal with all of this other shit, like, you know, trade issues and whatever else. I just wanted to, like, help people. And this is where Mel reveals that she's actually kind of been disowned by her family, stating that she fell short of Medarda standards, which we will explore a little bit more in this season. She and Jace are being very cute here, I think. He's kind of laying down, lounging with his head in her lap, and she's comforting him, and she's like, you know, I think that you just need to be with your friend right now. Like, you need to go to him and spend as much time with him as you possibly can, while you can, and just, you know, comfort him and be there for him. But Victor, oh, he kind of does need a friend right now. He is sitting and just staring at the hex core and flashing back to the nosebleed. He notices that there's some, some blood still there. And this is when he puts together that the blood did something to the hex core and changed it. And he reaches over and touches it and it starts to kind of just freak out and he falls unconscious yet again. Okay, leaving off there for now with Victor, we are with my ever-beloved Jinx. She is at the last drop. She... (laughs) kind of scares the shit out of the bartender a little bit. (laughs) She kind of just pops up out of nowhere. He is absolutely shook. He is clearly quite scared of her. And she keeps calling him Chuck, even though he's not called Chuck. (laughs) Um, She starts asking him what's going on with Silco and everything. And he tells her that Silco asked his henchman to grab someone and Jinx starts pressing for information and he tells her that it is two girls who apparently beat the shit out of Savika. In return for this information, Jinx pretends to hug him and attaches a bomb to his back and it does explode 
but apparently it is only a glitter bomb, much to his relief. I would not put it past her to blow up a bartender (laughs) because that's just the kind of person that she is at this point. We will get to see in this episode a full display of just how far gone she is. Meanwhile, we finally get to see what the hell has been going on with Vi and Caitlin. Vi is barely holding on to consciousness as she is bleeding out. They happen upon this cliffside that appears to be a water tower with a big neon sign. And Vi's dumbass decides to just start jumping down. (laughs) But at a point, she just kind of starts to fall. So she is just going through it. And poor Caitlin, still quite uh, unsure of herself, decides to go down, but she is much slower. In the distance, we see the leader of the Firelights in a mask watching them as they make their way down the beams. And the two girls narrowly evade a group of Silco's goons. Savika and the goons presumably come back to inform Silco that they lost Vi's trail. But when Savika comes into Silco's office, it is not Silco sitting in his chair, but Jinx. And Jinx is like, who did you lose? Savika is pissed off. And goes to, you know, move forward, move toward Jinx. But she trips on a trip wire and a bunch of green gas starts to fill up the room as Jinx puts on a gas mask and Savika tries to get to her, but she passes out. And I'm like, did this bitch just poison Savika and kill her, but Savika is still alive. She was just unconscious, and when she wakes up, she is restrained, tied to the chair, and Jinx is slapping her and threatening to cut off her arm if she doesn't tell Jinx what she wants to hear. So Savika really has nothing left to lose and kind of no other choice but to tell Jinx that they've been tracking down Vi and her new enforcer friend. The reaction from Jinx is so, ugh, it's so painful and it's so emotional. There's a lot of pain and hurt and anger underneath the surface. Jinx doesn't really want to believe it at first. Savika starts to, like, tease her and tells her that the reason why this was kind of being kept from her was so that she wouldn't lose her shit. But now that she knows, she's going to completely lose it. And Silco will finally see Jinx for who she really is. And it appears that Jinx is taking this to heart and is really upset about it, but is just pretending to have an emotional reaction. And, uh, sneezes in Savika's face and then tells her, you know, I think that I'm, I know how I'm going to deliver that message actually. So don't worry about me. Now we're going to focus a little bit on a character that I don't really give a fuck about, but we get to see Marcus returning home from work. He hears his daughter giggling in her bedroom. So he goes to check on her and, uh, 
Well, Silco is playing uh, like the card stacking game with her and two of his goons are in his little girl's bedroom with her. So this is not an ideal situation. I literally gasped when I saw Silco in this little girl's room and Marcus is like, okay, how about we go step outside and talk about everything? And then he's Silco's like, nah, I'm good in here. Uh, and then he starts to tell Ren, Marcus's daughter, about Vi and Vander and how they were supposed to have gone somewhere together, but they got separated. And it, it's so awful to separate a daughter from her father. Yeah, he is more or less implying that he is going to do something to Marcus and or this little girl if... Marcus doesn't get his goddamn shit together and work with him. Silco then tells Marcus that Vi has been running around with an enforcer girl. Marcus is immediately like, oh yeah, that's Caitlin. Don't worry about it though, because I'm going to take care of this. Yeah, Silco is pretty pissed. He knocks down the little card tower and, you know, tells Ren, oh, it was just an accident. If he does not get rid of Vi and now Caitlyn, he is going to hurt little baby Ren. Um, and I don't give a fuck about Marcus, but I don't want anything bad to happen to this little girl because she's just a little girl. Yeah, I'm sure everything will be fine with them, though. Don't worry about it. They're completely fine. Um, so back with Victor once more. He is showing Jace his discovery about the hex core and how it responds to organic matter like it responded to his blood and his finger. What he's able to do with this is make a small plant grow a lot in size and it literally grows like in the blink of an eye. So Victor seems to think that they can use this technology to create healing magic and extend life, which is essentially what he's trying to do for himself, right? It's to cure himself and give himself a longer lifespan. Jace says as much, but within seconds, mere seconds after it grew in a matter of seconds to a very large size, the plant starts to shrivel up and die. And this is when Victor tells him that every single time he's tried this, that has happened. He doesn't really know why it's doing this, but he is running out of time to figure it out. So because of this, Jace decides that they should go to ask Heimerdinger for his help. Maybe he can figure out how to make it work. I don't know why they think it's a good idea to ask Heimerdinger because Heimerdinger was one of the first people who was like, yeah, you know, like seven or eight years ago, whenever Jace got caught with all of this stuff, he was one of the first people to be like, this is fucking evil. And I don't think that we should be mixing magic with technology. And uh, I'm not going to lie. Do I think that Victor's idea for the Hextech is or the hex core is a good idea. Yes, I do, because it could like probably cure cancer or whatever. But at the same time, he's really just doing it for himself. Yes, he's under a time crunch, but 
I don't know. I think that this is all like a culmination of everything that everyone's been saying to him. It's interesting. The more these characters get pushback about their ideas or their behavior, not just Victor, Jinx, Vi, Caitlin, everybody, the more pushback they get, the more they double down on it. And it's kind of like, I mean, for some of you, your prefrontal cortex is not completely developed. So your ability to make decisions is severely impacted. But for the rest of you, it's like, are you just messy? Like, again, in Victor's case, I understand it because he's desperate, right? He just really doesn't, he doesn't want to die. He has a terminal deteriorating illness, and he doesn't want to die. So I completely understand that. But at the same time, oh boy, it's just causing more problems than they can solve, and much more quickly than they can solve them. So... Vi is basically <laughs> crumpled up on the ground and Caitlin helps to pick her up where they are. It's like a fucking like alleyway. There are a bunch of like homeless people who are extremely, uh, they're starving. They're starving and they're like fucked up and just not doing well. Um, And as Caitlin flashes her flashlight everywhere, they kind of run away. They run into this house that is at the bottom of the water tower. She sets Vi down on a bench and then reaches over to kind of try to clean her up a little bit. And Vi is like, yeah, get the fuck away from me. This is not what I need right now. Also, Caitlin has her hair up now. And I'm like, this is... This is kind of a look. Like, I'm not going to lie. It's a lot cuter than what she usually is sporting. And I like her hair down too, but I think it looks better up. So Vi is, like I said, bleeding out. She starts to see some flashbacks of herself and Powder in this house when they were children living with her parents. It's, It's just so sad to see how much they've fallen away from the life that they used to have, even if it wasn't, like, perfect or great. It's just, it's sad. Caitlin is is pretty much insisting that Vi needs to figure out, you know, they need to figure out a way to, to trust each other. But Vi is understandably very, very mistrusting of topsiders. Caitlin is kind of like, well, you're just gonna, you know, blame us all for your problems, I guess. And Vi's like, no, I mean, not all of you. You don't know anything about me. You don't know, you don't know my life. And Caitlin is kind of like, you know, we're not all monsters and tells her that she has a good heart, which there is a little echo in that to Vander and what Vander told Vi right before he died. So that's emotional. (laughs) So back with Victor and Jace, they are presenting the hex core to Heimerdinger and they're telling him, you know, what it does and what they plan to achieve with it. But Heimerdinger is having like a flashback of trauma to past experiences. And he tells them that he has seen entire civilizations completely destroyed by magic that looked and behaved a lot like this. And he's like, you guys need to get rid of this shit because I don't want to see that happen again. But Jace is like, but we we have to use it because this can save Victor's life. Like, 
you don't understand. We're desperate here. We have nowhere else to turn. But Heimerdinger is very insistent that this is a very dangerous piece of technology. So Jace is like, okay, I guess I'll go to the rest of the council and see what they have to say. Victor says that he knows somebody who can help him, help them. And Jace goes to get ready for this council meeting. Again, nothing bad is going to happen. Don't worry. So Vi is slipping out of consciousness. And Caitlin heads out to go find somebody who can, you know, help somehow. And she gets the shit scared out of her by this hooded figure who is a very disfigured Huck. He is the guy with the glasses who I think we saw in the very first or second episode who came into the last drop who was getting screwed over by like somebody he was trying to do a a deal with. And Vander came to his aid and he, oh boy, he is in rough shape. He is very, 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 very thin. And he's all like misshapen. Like he's just all fucked up. Caitlin pulls her gun on him, but he's like, no, 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 I'm cool. I was friends with Vander. I can help you. And she's like, okay, well, can you help me find a doctor? Because I need, I need to get Vi like medical care. She's literally dying and bleeding out in the, in this house. But he's like, "Mm, there's not really a lot of doctors around here, but I can bring you to somebody who can help you. And he leads her to an apothecary who makes and sells potions and he kind of points to all of the fucking tumors that he has all over his body that have grown as a result of ODing on shimmer. Basically all of these people down here are like shimmer addicts. So the apothecary does give them a potion to heal Vi but wants something else in return and Caitlin decides to empty her rifle and give it to the apothecary who takes out a little bit of shimmer and puts a drop of it into the potion and gives it to Caitlin. Caitlin is like a little put off by that. She's like, "Uh, I don't know if that's the best thing, but if this is going to help her, then cool. So they go back to the house Caitlin is like, wait, don't you want to come in and see Vi? And he's like, no, 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 I don't want her to see me like this, but good luck with everything. And she actually gives him a hug, which is quite sweet, I will say. I think that she, again, has displayed throughout this entire series so far that she does have a lot of sympathy for people of the Undercity, and she is very grateful for his help and just how genuine he was. He is, he is a good guy after all. This next scene, this is a little bit of a toughie for me. Marcus shows up and, you know, gives Jace the grenade that Silco had given him to pretend that it was the firelights. He says that they're probably going to attack again. And Jace is like, okay, well, what what are you going to do about that? Marcus is like, I don't really know what I can do other than just conduct a really wide and thorough search of everybody who crosses over the bridges. And Jace is like, okay, then do it. And Marcus, he's not, he doesn't really want to do that because he knows exactly who's responsible for this. And 
going out and doing all those searches would be a waste of time and resources, but at the same time, it would throw them off of Jinx's trail and Silco's trail. So because Jace is so insistent, he does agree to do it. Just as he's leaving, he asks Jace about the prisoner that he signed off on to let Caitlin release. Or he asks him if there's anything that he can do to help with that. And Jace is like, nope, man, I'm good. So I think it's settling into his head. uh, Marcus might be a little bit sus because why would he ask about that? This scene, actually, the scene after this is the one that's a little bit difficult for me to watch. Um, This council meeting is not going Heimerdinger's way. He is extremely upset with how Piltover is developing and he thinks that everybody is just getting extremely greedy and complacent. He thinks that, you know, the council is not doing a good enough job at holding each other accountable. And Jace is like, okay, well, you know, I think that we could all say the same of you because Shimmer is running rampant and there's all kinds of awful things happening in the Undercity that you're kind of just not doing anything about. And we are trying to do something about it, but you never let us. He just completely unloads on Heimerdinger, which results in Jace wanting to force Heimerdinger into an early retirement. And the votes need to be unanimous. Caitlin's mom is especially like shook by this. Like she is completely thrown off guard by it. They all vote to kick him off the council, essentially. And this is, it's very sad because, you know, Heimerdinger is just trying to do the best that he can. And he's trying to protect the city that he loves, the city that he helped found. And this is just such an act of betrayal that I don't think, I don't think Jace really realizes the gravity of what he's doing. He's acting incredibly selfishly right now. But we'll see about consequences of Jace's actions eventually. So Caitlin gets that potion to Vi. She kind of force feeds it to her while Vi is unconscious and immediately gets jolted back to consciousness with that potion. Her eyes actually turn purple for a brief second uh, as the shimmer makes its way through her system. And she looks down and she notices that her wound is not bleeding anymore and closing up, which is pretty impressive. Caitlin kind of brings everything back around to finding Jinx. Caitlin, this is so gay. (laughs) Caitlin, like, tries to calm Vi down and grabs her so, like, tenderly. And they are, like, literally, like, an inch away from each other's faces. And it is so intimate and so gay that Caitlin kind of tries to pull a quick save and she like pulls away from her and she's like okay well we need to get you back up and moving because we need to go find Jinx. So Vi goes to get up as Caitlin goes to lean against one of the beams that's holding up the water tower and it kind of rocks back and forth a little bit so if you 
put too much pressure on it, uh, the whole thing's probably going to go down. She looks down and sees that the beam is actually, the beam has some writing on it with some measurements taken that say violet and powder. She then puts it together that Vi used to live here and she asks about powder and Vi tells her that, um, you know, that's her sister and that's the person that she's been looking for. And she tells Caitlin that she actually thought that powder was dead, which confuses Caitlin. She's like, how can you, you know, not know if your sister is even alive? Like, don't you have parents? And this is when Vi tells her that her and Powder's parents were killed by enforcers, which puts things a little bit into perspective for Caitlin. But this conversation is interrupted as they hear some rattling outside. Vi opens the door and sees, standing outside, Silco and some of his goons, as well as some shimmer addicts who he is holding vials up to. He gives one to Huck, who hurries away, and then he's kind of still holding them up to the other the other people who were there. This confrontation is so good. The conversation that's happening, just the way that this is all coming to a head already. I just love it. Vi asks him what he's done with her sister. And this is when he kind of teases her and is like, you know, I thought that you were you were the one to watch in your family, but it was actually her. She's pretty impressive, not gonna lie. A couple of the addicts that he had been giving the shimmer to take the shimmer and start to feel the effects as <laughs> Caitlin very cleverly starts pushing on the beams of the water tower and it starts to fall down. She's a little bit resourceful. Vi knocks down the last beam that brings everything tumbling down. (laughs) The walls come tumbling down. Throughout this, we keep seeing flashes of Jinx, who decides to light up the flare that Vi gave her all those years ago and told her that if she lit it, that Vi would find her and come to her. It's just so emotional. Everything about this scene is is so beautiful. The music is great. It just looks incredible. I love it so much. As that is happening, Vi and Caitlin manage to get away as the water tower falls apart. Silco is, oh, he's fucking pissed. He tells his guys to, you know, go find them. And then he curb stomps Huck until he is deceased. As Vi and Caitlin are running through the city, Vi actually sees in the distance Jinx's flare. Throughout all of this as well, we see Marcus starting up his little search party or whatever. Boo, who cares? Right here is where we get another flashback of Victor's childhood. He runs into the lab of Singed, who has hooked up Rio to a bunch of tubes. She is in a lot of pain. She's just like flopping all over the place. And Victor runs over to her and 
is just completely horrified by what Singed did. And Singed is like, what do you mean? I'm doing what I need to do in order to preserve this mutation. Victor is just not down for this. He grabs his cane and he gets the fuck out of there. And poor Rio is, she's going through it. But we'll see what um, has happened to Rio right now because Victor comes back to see Singed. Now Rio is in like a giant back to tank hooked up to all of those tubes and she's just completely still. And Victor tells Singed that he understands now what Singed was doing and he is ready to do the same, apparently. So Silco returns home after his massive L. He is sitting in his office. He wonders out loud how many problems one girl can cause, where he looks he looks down on his desk and notices a dagger stuck in it with an arrow pointing upward and sees Savika up on the ceiling, strung up with the word liar drawn all over her and a bunch of like just graffiti courtesy of jinx speaking of jinx who is still holding up that flare as it sputters out to an end she's pretty upset that her sister hasn't appeared and she throws the flare in anger and then pulls out the hex crystal and starts looking at it And this is when she hears the voice of her sister for the first time in several years. This scene is probably the most emotional scene in the entire series. I don't think that Jinx really believes what she's seeing, but immediately Vi throws herself at Powder and pulls her into her arms and Jinx drops the hex crystal and starts crying. They're both just poor, like, pouring tears out of their eyes, and embraces her sister. Vi finally gets the chance to explain to her sister that she did try to come back and didn't mean to abandon her, but she got arrested. And Jinx somehow immediately knows that it was Marcus, which is pretty smart deduction on her part. But Vi is like, just so grateful to see her little sister again. Jinx is still not quite convinced that Vi is really there. But Vi's like, no, I am here. And it's this is all very real. It's at this point that Jinx tells Vi that she has changed a lot since they've last seen each other. She's a little bit worried, I think, that Vi is going to reject her the way that she is now. But Vi reassures her that, you know, she did things that she's not proud of, things she needed to do in order to survive, and that she still very much loves and cares for her sister. But this beautiful moment is interrupted by fucking Caitlin, (laughs) who immediately pulls out one of her firearms and points it in the direction of Miss Caitlin. There's a bit of a back and forth where Vi is basically trying to placate both of them because um, 
there's clearly a lot of mistrust here. Jinx is pretty fucking devastated to realize that Savika was telling the truth that Vi was running around with an enforcer. And this is the moment where Caitlin puts together that Jinx is Vi's sister. Jinx is having a bit of a fucking complete mental breakdown. She thinks that Vi is tricking her and then starts to hear the voices that talk to her and she screams at it to shut up. Vi is trying to calm her down and calls her Powder. Jinx has a very negative response to this. She's like, nope, Powder's not home anymore. My name is Jinx and you're a fucking liar. You're talking down to me. You're condescending me. She is now convinced that Vi has come for the hex crystal. But but Vi is like, I don't even know what that is. Jinx is uh, very, very, very convinced that her sister is working against her and just immediately starts to spiral into this madness that she has. But Vi knocks, you know, the weapon out of her face and insists that she is not going to abandon her sister again. But Jinx is is hearing something real this time. Um, surprise, it's a bunch of firelights and they, oof, they are doing quite a number on my girls here. It's in this scene that... I think Vi finally realizes just how far gone her sister is. Um, It's a great action sequence. It's dimly lit. It's very foggy, but you can see everything because the colors that you do see are so bright and vibrant. And like the way that the action is animated is fucking brilliant. Jinx pulls some moves in this fight that I just think are amazing. Um, All the while, Caitlyn is trying to grab that fucking hex crystal and not let it go. Because number one, there's not a whole lot she can do. She did trade in her rifle for a healing potion so that Vi wouldn't die. And also, um, yeah, somebody needs to grab that fucking hex crystal because if she doesn't, then no one will. However, she pretty swiftly gets knocked out by a firelight and they grab the hex crystal. The sisters manage to subdue and or kill most of the firelights. Again, Vi is quite horrified to see just how much her sister is willing to do. And she, distracted, gets knocked out by one of the firelights as Jinx is distracted and gets cut on her leg by one of the firelights. The firelight who just knocked Vi out goes to run a spear through her, but the other remaining firelight stops them and says that they need Vi alive. They have Vi slung over their shoulders. They go to make off with her as Jinx goes to attack them and stop them so that, you know, they don't take her sister. But she unfortunately gets knocked out as well. And she is reliving the worst moment of her life all over again. So she finally gets her sister back and then immediately loses her again. Like I said, one of the most emotionally charged episodes 
and it only gets crazier from here, believe it or not. Um, There will definitely be some slumps in between, but for the most part, this episode, I think I said this last week, I think I said it the week before, this episode has to be among my favorites. Like, this is genuinely one of the best episodes of this series, if only for the reunion scene between the sisters. It always makes me emotional. It's just incredibly well done and just the right amount of heartbreaking that you really need before you get a pretty badass action scene highlighting the strengths of each of them as well. Stay tuned for some more Arcane as I return next week to talk about Season 1, Episode 7, The Boy Savior. Don't forget to follow my Twitter and Instagram at nerdygirlpod, my Tumblr, nerdygirlreviews.tumblr.com, my Facebook page, which is just nerdygirlreviews, and send me an email at nerdygirlreviews at aol.com with any questions, comments, recommendations, or suggestions. Um, You can also send me a tweet or uh, ask on Tumblr. I'm pretty sure the ask box is open. I'll have to double check on that. But anyway, if you want to send me an ask on Tumblr, please feel free to do so. But until next week, have a wonderful day and don't forget to love each other.
ਠੀਕ ਹੈ